Hi everyone, welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Ambulatory Podcast Series. In this podcast, we will talk about hypothyroidism, covering its epidemiology, clinical manifestations, diagnoses, and management in the outpatient setting. First, let's discuss some definitions and the epidemiology of hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism is a common medical issue encountered in medicine, particularly in the primary care setting. It is defined as the deficiency of thyroid hormone, which can be either subclinical or clinically overt. The prevalence of this disease varies from 0.1 to 4%. However, the prevalence of subclinical hypothyroidism is higher, ranging from 4 to 10%. It is 5 to 8 times more common in women than men, with women with a small body size at birth and during childhood being at increased risk. Hypothyroidism is associated with other autoimmune diseases such as celiac disease, type 1 diabetes mellitus, chronic atrophic gastritis, and others. What are the causes of hypothyroidism? The causes of a decreased function of the thyroid hormone can come from the thyroid gland itself, which we call primary hypothyroidism, or the control region, which is the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus, called central hypothyroidism. 99% of cases are due to a primary hypothyroidism. In iodine-sufficient countries, the most common cause of primary hypothyroidism is autoimmune thyroiditis or Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Other causes include radiation therapy to the head and neck area, radioactive iodine therapy for Graves' disease, thyroid surgery, which can be a hemithyroidectomy or thyroidectomy, drugs, such as amiodarone, rifampin, anti-epileptic drugs, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, lithium, monoclonal antibodies, interferon, and thalidomide. Thyroiditis, such as decorbanes, which usually occurs in young women following a viral illness with fevers and anterior neck pain, postpartum, which is thyroid dysfunction that occurs up to one year post-delivery, silent, which is a painless, mildly enlarged thyroid, and riddles consistent of a non-tender, very hard thyroid gland with fibrosis that can extend to local structures. Infiltrative diseases of the thyroid can be a cause as well, such as lymphoma and sarcoidosis. Iodine deficiency is the most common cause of hypothyroidism in iodine-deficient countries, usually underdeveloped countries, although it is better to check the global list of countries with this issue if needed. Interesting examples of iodine-deficient countries include Finland, Germany, Russia, and Norway. The causes of central hypothyroidism include secondary located in the pituitary gland where the thyroid-stimulating hormone is produced, or tertiary in the hypothalamus where the thyrotropin-releasing hormone, or TRH, is made. Diseases that can affect these areas include tumors, hypoxia with shock states or massive bleeding, autoimmune, traumatic brain injury, radiation, and drugs such as dopamine, steroids, and retinoids. Let's move on to the clinical manifestations of hypothyroidism. The clinical manifestations are highly variable depending upon the age of onset, severity of thyroid hormone deficiency, and the duration of such deficiency. Common symptoms include fatigue, cold intolerance, constipation, dry skin, myalgias, and menstrual irregularities. Other symptoms include weight gain, dyspnea on exertion, cognitive dysfunction, hoarseness, edema, 
decreased hearing, depression, arthralgias, and others. There are some important physical findings that we can have, such as a goiter or enlarged thyroid gland, although the absence of enlarged thyroid glands does not exclude hypothyroidism, slow movement and speech, delayed relaxation of tendon reflexes, bradycardia, edema due to the deposition of glycosaminoglycans, puffy facies and loss of eyebrows, tongue enlargement, hypertension, ascites, pleural and pericardial effusions, galactorrhea. As mentioned before, the spectrum of clinical manifestations is broad. Let's move on to the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. When the clinical suspicion is consistent with hypothyroidism, laboratory testing is the next step. The initial test is TSH. If TSH is elevated, TSH measurement should be repeated along with a serum free thyroxine or T4 hormone. If TSH is still elevated and T4 is low, the diagnosis of primary hypothyroidism is made. When TSH is high but T4 is normal, we can call this condition subclinical hypothyroidism. When central hypothyroidism is suspected, TSH levels may be normal or low and the initial test becomes unreliable. However, since most patients have low T4 levels when they have central hypothyroidism, starting with T4 measurement is probably best. T3 measurement is usually not indicated. The measurement of thyroid peroxide antibodies or TPO is not indicated for the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. However, it can be used when there is a family history or another autoimmune condition and to predict the progression of subclinical to overt hypothyroidism. The rate of conversion is around 4% per year. A thyroid ultrasound is not necessary for the diagnosis of primary hypothyroidism and should be reserved for those patients with a palpable thyroid nodule or any other physical exam abnormality that requires imaging. Patients with central hypothyroidism require imaging assessment, usually with a brain MRI. Importantly, TSH secretion can be affected by acute conditions such as infection. Therefore, inpatient testing of TSH may not be reliable and we should be careful when analyzing the results. Finally, let's discuss the treatment of hypothyroidism. All patients with overt hypothyroidism require treatment with thyroid hormone unless it is transient, such as in painless thyroiditis or subacute thyroiditis, or reversible due to a drug that could be discontinued. The goals of treatment are to ameliorate symptoms, normalize TSH secretion, reduction of goiter if present, and to avoid overtreatment that could cause iatrogenic thyrotoxicosis. The goal TSH level is within the normal limit, which is 0.5 to 5 mu over liters. The upper limit of TSH increases with age, with an upper limit of normal of 7.5 in 80-year-olds. The synthetic thyroxine or T4 levothyroxine is the treatment of choice. In most cases, T3 therapy is not required except for patients after thyroidectomy or ablation therapy with radioiodine. The starting dose of levothyroxine is 1.5 to 1.8 micrograms per kilogram a day in patients younger than 60 years old and a much lower dose in patients older than 60 years old or those who have cardiovascular comorbidities such as heart failure or atrial fibrillation 
Labor thyroxine administration, and particularly T3 administration, can precipitate arrhythmias. Pregnant patients require an increased dose of levothyroxine, usually by 30%. Levothyroxine is best taken 30 to 60 minutes before the first meal of the day. It can also be taken at night, usually 3 hours after the last meal. It shouldn't be taken with medications that interfere its absorption, such as antiacids, PPIs, sacralfate, or simeticone. A 4-hour separation for these medications is recommended. Once treatment is started, repeat levels of TSH should be done every 4 to 8 weeks until the target TSH is accomplished. Adjustments are made by increasing or decreasing the dose of levothyroxine by 12.5 to 25 micrograms a day. Once the TSH goal is achieved, it can be rechecked at 6 months and then yearly if stable. If the goal is not achieved, some of the most common pitfalls are medication non-adherence, problems with gastrointestinal absorption, and medication interactions. Thank you for listening. Please follow our podcast in Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. We will see you in the next episode. Goodbye.